Impact 89 FM's own golf podcast. This is The Long Drive. Welcome into The Long Drive, broadcasting live from Impact 89 FM studios in the basement of Holden Hall. On the campus of Michigan State University, I am your host, Grace Goodlerick. Today I'm joined by my co-host, Jack Latterman as well as Nick Fardella and Tim Marshall. We are coming to you live on Tuesday, April 25th, a day after the villain of the NFC North, Aaron Rodgers, was traded away. Jack's Bears and my Lions don't have to see him, but uh, Tim's Patriots, unfortunately, will have to endure the pain of having to play Aaron Rodgers twice a year, Mm -hmm. being traded to the New York Jets. So that is kind of just foreshadowing what a week it is. It is obviously draft week, which the NFL draft is going to be much more exciting than the Mexico Open at Vidanta this week. But we will get into that and much more surrounding the PGA Tour. We're going to start off with a couple recaps surrounding the MSU men's and women's golf teams as well as the LPGA Tour. The men's golf team finished third of nine teams at the Illini Spring Invite over the weekend. Led by Drew Hackett, who finished tied for ninth overall at five over par, 218 shots. Fired a final round 68 on Sunday, uh, which was good for three under par uh, to pace the team. And up next is the postseason Big Ten Championships this weekend, April 28th through the 30th at Galloway National Golf Club in Galloway, New Jersey. As for the women's team, they finished tied for six of 14 teams at the Big Ten Championships uh, in Pittsburgh, Pennsylvania over the weekend. They were led by Brooke Bierman, who carded a final round, 1 over 72. She finished tied for 16th at 9 over 222 strokes. And up next for them is the NCAA Regionals, which will be the 8th, 9th, and 10th of May. They do not know where they are playing yet. The sites will be announced actually tomorrow, Wednesday, April 26th, on Golf Channel at 1 p.m. So we will know where the MSU women's golf team is playing after that. On the LPGA Tour this last weekend, it was the first major championship of the season. The winner was Lilia Vu, who uh, won at 10 under, 278 shots uh, for her first major championship at the Chevron Championship in the Woodlands, Texas. Uh, it moves her to first in the race to the CME Globe. This week is the JM Eagle LA Championship presented by Plast Pro at the Wilshire Country Club in Los Angeles, California. So now we're going to transition to the PGA Tour. We've got a lot of news to get to. Obviously, last Wednesday, this story breaking a day after we recorded our last full episode, Tiger Woods undergoing a successful uh, subtalar fusion procedure, ankle, fu- ankle fusion surgery uh, uh, performed by Dr. Martin O'Malley at HSS Sports Medicine Institute in New York City, guys. Obviously, we're wishing Tiger a speedy recovery. He's out for the rest of 2023. What do you think? Is this a career-ending thing? What, what do you think? Uh, it was pretty obvious something was seriously wrong. Uh, you could see him limping around before he WD'd. So not super surprised to hear it, but I don't think there was any real – it was kind of a shock when I saw it. Like, yeah. There was no one saying, oh, he's going to have surgery. It was just like he had surgery. Um, sort of like the Zalatoris thing. He just woke up, and they were like, oh, he had back surgery yesterday, and you're what? Because when he withdrew, it was plantar fasciitis. Right. And uh, now, I, in reading a little bit more on the procedure, it says that it, whatever two bones it is, it fuses them together. So he's like going to lose the mobility in that ankle, but he'll keep playing. The pain is going to be gone, right. I guess. So, yeah, watching the Masters, he like didn't look right. He was like a little limping all over the place. He didn't really look 100%. I just think he's just going to do the Masters from now on. Yeah, I wouldn't be surprised. 
with that either. But I think it's it's interesting to see what he'll do later because it was in this last stint of the comeback. It's been more about pain management than it has been about skill. Like he's been able to, like he's started off strong on Thursdays and Fridays and then just kind of fades. And it's probably more because of the walking and not the like his skill at the course he's still one of the greatest he is probably one of the greatest players to ever play the game i feel like it's just it's more of a pain management pain management thing and if his pain can go away with the surgery even if he misses the rest of the year then i'm never gonna say it's over with him but this is a blow that's the thing a big blow you can't ever say that it's over but i mean u.s open you get you can have a cart right i believe it's a PGA because Championship the PGA because championship? the PGA okay. Championship granted a waiver for John Daly to use a cart. Right, so there you go. Tiger will play the PGA Championship when he's 85 with a cart. He, uh, yeah, you can play in the PGA for the rest of your life, yeah. yeah. So that's, that is one of two majors with that exemption. So moving on, obviously wishing the greatest golfer of all time a speedy and successful recovery from his subtalar fusion procedure um on to live golf there was a live golf event this last weekend the winner is taylor gooch former pga tour winner that was in adelaide australia this weekend they are in singapore uh for the live golf invitational singapore a couple guys uh that play for the four aces team dustin johnson and pat perez kind of had an interesting saga that happened after the live golf adelaide invitational over the weekend pat perez was actually it, it was in at first Dustin Johnson who was quoted in an article by the Australian Associated Press uh saying that you know they don't really care what Jay Monahan thinks so they think it was quote we don't give a damn what he thinks and we don't give a damn how he feels we know how he feels about us so it's mutual those originally were credited to Dustin Johnson however it was his teammate on the four aces Pat Perez that ended up uh saying the comments, and that was clarified by Dustin's agent, uh, David Winkle, with Hambrick Sports. Uh, He said, quote, I spoke with Dustin from Singapore this morning, at which time he emphatically denied making any such statement. He elaborated by saying his actual response to the question was no comment, but mentioned that others interviewed may have answered differently. So that's no surprise coming out of that. Pat Perez, obviously very disgruntled, Former employee of the PGA Tour, Dustin wants to continue with those uh, with those former relationships that he made on the PGA Tour. So just kind of clearing up a, a situation there that was in Australia over the weekend. Speaking of Dustin Johnson, him and fellow live golfer Brooks Kepko want to play in the Ryder Cup if interested, because contrary to popular belief, live golfers do have an associate membership with the PGA of America through their membership on the PGA Tour, which runs until July of 2024 due to a grace period in the rules of the PGA of America. The PGA of America and the PGA Tour are obviously separate entities. So what would you guys think if we had live golfers participating in the Ryder Cup? I'd be surprised, to be honest. I I think it'd be great for the game. I think it'd be really fun, uh, but I would be surprised. I don't think it's happening. I want it to happen, but I don't think it will. Watching the Masters, it was really cool to watch the Live guys interact with the PGA guys. So I think that would be kind of cool. It would be weird because like on their like teams with the PGA guys. So probably not going to happen. I I don't want to see this happen. Uh, it's it would make it more of a Live thing than a Ryder Cup thing, and everyone loves the Ryder Cup and yeah. kind of want to keep that separate. And then 
I, I doubt they would even get selected because they neither, unless they both like do really well in the majors, they probably won't automatically qualify. And I doubt uh, Zach Johnson will pick yeah. two live guys. As I think captains picks over yeah. like younger guys that like could use it. Yeah, he played Zach Johnson this last week. Played uh, in the Zurich Classic with Steve Stricker, and the article reads that uh, he actually doesn't understand the legalities around picking them in terms of their membership with the PGA of America and all kinds of stuff like that. So he's not really sure how it's going to go. But, yeah, I think Brooks Kepka is uh, – I, I believe it actually might be – I think it is Brooks Kepka who is the highest-ranked live golfer in terms of the automatic qualifying, and he's somewhere in the 20s. So, yeah, it's not – they're not going to qualify because of six automatic qualifiers and six captain's picks. So – We'll just see what happens there. In other news, this is actually some really cool stuff that's going on. Opposite the Corn Ferry Tour are another couple developmental tours that are run by the PGA Tour. Uh, they were the PGA Tour Latino America and the PGA Tour Canada. They are now forming starting in February of 2024 to become PGA Tour Americas. And this is going to feature a 16-event schedule that runs through or runs from February to August. Uh, the first half, the first eight events will be contested in Latin America. The second half will be contested in Canada. And the top 10 money winners on that tour in those 16 events will get automatic Corn Ferry Tour membership. Guys, what do you think about this? Is this like growing the game? Do you support this move or do you think they should still be two separate tours? Yeah, I don't see why not. I mean, I I think the one downside is I assume at least it's cutting like half the guys kind of. Probably. So that's yeah. the downside. But um you're bringing the best golfers from those those two tours together. So, yeah, I think it'd be cool. Yeah, I like it too. It's going to grow the game, I think. I think this would be a cool spot for um a new development in like a documentary kind of thing. We've all obviously seen the success of Full Swing, and I think it would be very eye-opening to see how like these guys aren't even in the Corn Ferry. It's like below that. Yeah. So, like it's yeah. like it's really a grind out there and it's it's more of the like how they were making so much. Oh, if you miss the cut, you don't get paid. Yeah, but, like those exactly. guys still make millions of dollars a year. You have to make the cut in these sort of events. You exactly, have to play yeah. well, like for your living. Yeah. So I think that's why I think it would be kind of cool to follow this tour around in the future. Yeah, you hear stories all the time about guys that put a hundred thousand miles yeah. on a little tiny car that they drove in high school in one season playing on tours like these because it's just such a grind and such a a, a mental thing to just play a grind to get to the corn ferry tour and you have to grind on the corn ferry tour to get to the pga tour it's extremely tough to make it to the pga tour and speaking of the documentary thing this last week there was actually news that came out that will ferrell will be starring in <laughs> a Netflix series that features a high-profile golfer that moves to a separate tour. So that should be funny to watch. In other news, this last week at the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, uh, the defending champions were Nick Hardy and Davis Riley. They have withdrawn from the uh, Mexico Open at Vidanta, and Justin Thomas is also selling his house in Jupiter, Florida. If anybody wants to buy that for three and a half million, so that is up there uh, on the market. He's moving to a new mansion somewhere in the Jupiter area. So on to the Zurich Classic of New Orleans, which was the team event on the PGA Tour. 
this last week. The winners were Davis Riley and Nick Hardy. They each gained their first wins on the PGA Tour. It was the second year in a row that the 72-hole scoring record was set. Last year it was Patrick Cantley and Xander Shoffley. At 29 under this year, Davis Riley and Nick Hardy uh, bested that by one shot at 30 under par. That moves Nick Hardy to 39th in the FedEx Cup standings, Davis Riley to 33rd by virtue of each of them gaining 400 FedEx Cup points. Uh, second was the team of the Canadian team of Adam Hadwin and Nick Taylor at minus 28. Third was Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler. They are each seeking their first PG Tour win still at minus 27. So, guys, what? let's get into this last week. What did you like about the team event? You know, there were a lot of players that played really well. On, on Sunday, you kind of saw Wyndham Clark and Bo Hostler. They were obviously the 54-hole leaders. They just kind of uh, they melted on Sunday. Keith Mitchell, Sung J.M., that was another fun pairing to watch. So what did you guys think? Yeah, really good for Nick Hardy. Uh Hometown kid for me. He grew up about five minutes from my house. Um, went to U of I, and I, I really like him. I think he's a good dude. Um, so good for him. Davis Riley obviously has had a little bit more success than Hardy, um, but both super young guys and super good for them. Um, I would have made a lot of money on Hadwin and Taylor uh, if they would have won that. So that was a little bit disappointing, but, I mean, they played really well. Um, Wyndham Clark and Hoster was they, – they, it was pretty bad Sunday. Um Specifically, Hosser. Yeah, Hosser yeah, struggled. He, uh, he couldn't really hit the ball. And then Keith Mitchell as well with Sunjay. I thought that was the most exciting pair. Um, like there were interviews. Uh, Keith was learning Korean, I believe. Yeah. Yep. And uh, Sunjay is the biggest UGA Bulldogs fan in all of Korea, I believe they said. That's, yeah. Um, yep. But Keith Mitchell was uh, struggling a bit. And then Homakawa missing the cut. That was. Uh, yeah. Yeah, Max Homo is my one and done. And. Screws me. Well, no, it was, it was, this is the cut. So. And, and you could tell it was happening. It was at nine, and you, I was just watching like, oh, they're going to miss it. They're going to miss it. And then it's it moved, so it sucks. Yeah, uh, pretty cool to see uh, new guys win this. Um, I was excited to watch Homakawa, but they didn't even make the cut. That was pretty disappointing to me. So Yeah, uh, it was a fun week. Unfortunately, my fun pick of John Daly, David Duvall, dead last place. Yeah, and so. dead last, missing the cut. Fun to see. It's a fun experience in New Orleans. It's a cool tournament. I hope they keep doing it because, like, these kind of off-center kind of events kind of going away with the match play not happening next year. So hopefully they can continue this kind of thing. Yeah, for sure. That I love the match play. Obviously, on our first episode, we picked our first or our, our favorite PGA Tour events. The match play is obviously my favorite event. So I, I agree with you. Hopefully that that continues. Uh, and. Xander Shoffley, Patrick Cantley, they come up short, minus 26 to finish tied for fourth. So, you know, it, they didn't really play the best in terms of the, the best ball format, but they lit it up in the alternate shot. Uh, so they had a pretty strong title defense there. So not really that much else to cover from the Zurich Classic of New Orleans. That wraps up uh, the PGA Tour's one stop in the Bayou. This year, now they move on to Mexico, which we are going to get in now. The, get into now. The Mexico Open at Vidanta. It is a relatively new event. The second year that it is being contested last year was the first. Obviously, the defending champion is John Rahm. He won at minus 17. It was his only win last year. It snapped a 17-event winless streak uh, in worldwide events, which was the longest of his career. He has obviously already won four times on the PGA Tour this year, including the Masters. 
Uh, finishing tied for second was a group of Tony Finau, Kurt Kitayama, and Brandon Wu at minus 16. Fifth and solo fifth was uh, Davis Riley. Tied for sixth was Cameron Champ, David Lipsky, Alex Smalley, and Aaron Wise at minus 14. So it is obviously a full-field PGA Tour event, 153 participants. The winner will receive 500 FedEx Cup points. Like I said, it's the second year of the event, so it's obviously extremely new on the PGA Tour schedule. However, this course, long hitters are going to prevail. It is right on the ocean in Puerto Vallarta, Mexico. Uh, It's going to be very windy conditions, which leads us to the course. We're going to talk about the course here for a couple minutes. It is Vidanta Vallarta, par 71, 7,456 yards. It was lengthened 250 yards to accommodate the PGA Tour. And why? The PGA Tour chose this course. I have no idea because it is, in fact, a Greg Norman design mm-hmm. that did open in 2015. That's extremely puzzling. So let's kind of get into the course. You know, it's it's relatively new, opened in 2015, extremely new to the PGA Tour. So let's, uh, let's chop it up. Let's talk about it. Yeah, so like you said, it is uh, pretty long, and long hitters seem to do well here. But it is there are five par threes. Uh, so with with that being said, that is a little bit strange. Um, past Palum, I believe that's how you say it. Yes. Uh, that's the greens. That's all the grass. Um, and I believe it was a resort course before they lengthened it. So that just says something. Um, it's very very scorable. Last year the wind was really really. I think it said thirty one mile an hour sustained. I think winds, so. Yeah. Yep. Uh, and they scored off the charts. So wind looks good this this week. Um, I've seen people saying the score could reach uh, minus 30. Really? Um, is wow. what some predictions are saying. They think at least minus 25 is what a lot of the winning score I've seen people say. Uh, so that just, just shows this is See, it's, quite it's obviously not a loaded field either. Exactly. Like it's it's John Rahm and everyone else. Yep. Like Finau. Finau's in there. Yep. Yeah. Um, but putting on these greens seems to not matter much. Um, from, from everything I've read, everything I've seen stat-wise to – it kind of evens out on those greens. Around the green doesn't seem to matter that much, at least from what I've seen. Yeah, uh, it's yep. it's all tee to green, driving distance, um, approach from about 200 yards seems big. Um, that proximity seems to be right on 200 plus yards, and then I, I think off the green or off the tee is is probably the most important stat. That's the same stuff that I've read. Yeah, nine out of the fif- top 15 on the leaderboard last year were top 10 in strokes gained off the tee. The winner, John Rahm, he was second. So, yeah, driving distance and ball striking is really going to matter this week in those windy conditions. So, yeah, you got to be able to find the fairway or you're screwed, yeah. Yeah, it is uh, the seventh longest course on tour, so pretty long. Uh, The seventh hole, they said, is 297 uh, yards of par four, and they said it's uh, described as a risk-reward hole, so let's see how people do that hole. And uh, the 18th hole should also set up for excitement because it's – Par five at uh, five hundred forty-eight yards. I believe also the tenth hole. I, I think there was there's going to be a wave advantage for guys that start on the tenth hole and guys that start on the first hole. The advantage is going to come on the first hole because the tenth hole ranked last year in terms of scoring average the eighth toughest hole out of all of the courses played on the PGA Tour last year. So number ten is a beast of a par four, five hundred yards back into the wind. So wow. Yeah, uh, it's nice to see uh, the PGA back in Mexico. Obviously, you had the COVID restrictions the last couple of years. Um, I I preferred the course they had before. I feel like that was when like it was like a really tough course, and like all the the 
like top players would really like play well at that one when it was the WGC. Yeah, yeah, that, I miss that. Yeah, so that much. was like a really good event. Um, but I'm I'm excited for this week. I think if it's plus thirty, we'll see a lot of highlights. Or minus minus thirty, I think we'll see a lot of highlights, a lot of birdies, a lot of eagles. So it'll be fun to watch. Yeah, you mentioned this event it has become the national open of Mexico, the Mexico Open at Vidanta. It replaces, for all intents and purposes, the former World Golf Championships, Mexico Championship, which was contested at Chapultepec in Mexico City. So that is obviously a completely different course and completely different environment than what you're getting playing in Puerto Vallarta on sea level with all the wind uh, instead of the altitude yeah. in Mexico City. So normally we would get to uh, talk about our favorite groups in terms of featured groups. Those are out and live on the PG Tour website as we speak. However... We are going to do something a little bit different this week. We are going to do a snake draft, a two-round snake draft between us picking guys that are in the $6,000 range uh, on DraftKings Daily Fantasy rankings, uh, and we're going to pick two of those guys in a snake draft, obviously. So uh, with the first pick, Tim is going to select. I'm going to select Carson Young. Uh, he's a young guy. He can hit the ball pretty far. Uh, I think his his play fits well here. He had a a 19th place at RBC and a, a tied for third in Puerto Rico, so maybe that has something to do with it. If they're speaking Spanish around him, he can play well. <laughs> I'm going with uh, Ryan Moore. Okay, all right, solid pick there. Uh, I obviously hold the third pick in this week's snake draft. I'm going to take uh, Aaron Baddeley. Uh, at number three, I love the bogey avoidance numbers out of the, him and the par four scoring average. Obviously, there's a lot of par fours on this course, and it's going to be all about scoring average and finding the fairway off the tee. So with the third pick, I'm taking Aaron Baddeley. Uh I'm going to take Alexandro Toasty. He has only played three events um, on the Corn Ferry Tour, but he has been extremely good Um Latin America, all of these tours around the uh, around South America, Latin America, and for some reason his stat model just is he's third in my stat model, um, and I'm not the only one that's seen this. I've seen him a lot on on videos and podcasts and articles. Um, he could very well bomb, but um, uh, he's he's just an interesting name to me. Um, and then my second one, I'm gonna go with the Smotherman, uh, Austin Smotherman. I think. He is really, really good um, from that 200 range with his irons and pretty good off the tee. He's abysmal putting, um, but I'm hoping that evens out a little bit um, on these greens. Back to you, Gray. Uh, for my second pick of this snake draft, I'm going to go ahead with uh, Brandon Matthews. He is was featured last week playing with uh, PGA Yes, he did. P- playing with uh, PGA Tour veteran Sean O'Hare at the Zurich Classic. And the broadcast, if anybody out there watched it on Saturday and Sunday, all you heard about this guy is that he is a bomber. He is one of the longest drivers on the drivers of the golf ball on the PGA Tour, uh, and quite accurate as well. His good approach numbers, the par five scoring average numbers, set up well for this course. So Brandon Matthews is my second pick uh, in this week's snake draft. My second pick is going to be Austin Cook. All right, I'll finish this off. I will go with Doc Redman for my final pick. Pretty solid showing last week. Yeah, playing alongside uh, a oh, Sam Ryder. Sorry. So, 
So right. yeah, we'll total those scores up, and we'll see next week. I'll. It's basically going to be about if any of these guys make the cut. Yeah, exactly. So that is, as Jack just indicated, how we will score that this next week. Uh, So that moves us on to our one-and-done picks. Uh, Last week, some of us played really well in the middle, and some of us bombed. Uh, Max Homa, my pick last week, him and uh, his star-studded partner, Colin Morikawa, missed the cut miraculously at uh, TPC Louisiana. However, I'm still in first place with a grand total of $4,804,868 made. Jack in third, he takes Xander Shoffley, who was the overwhelming favorite with partner Patrick Cantley to defend at the Zurich Classic last week. He's, uh, Xander Shoffley recorded a, a t- tied-for-four finish, uh, making $261,225. Jack has a grand total of 3000000 million. $271,647 made. Nick sits in third place. He takes Sahith Gala, who was playing with partner Justin Suh, uh, and they finished tied for 23rd and each made $24,596. Nick now has a grand total of $1,239,321 made, and Tim has broken the $1 million mark. He took Tom Kim, who played with partner Siwoo Kim. They finished tied for 7th. Made $163,400. Tim now has a grand total of $1,124,533 made for the season. So that leads us to our one-and-done picks this week. And as we already mentioned, this is not a loaded field whatsoever. It's basically you have John Rahm and Tony Finau. They are the only superstars playing. Bunch of other kind of middle to low-level guys on the PGA Tour. So this is a huge week for a lot of those guys to make a move. So... Who do we have for a one-and-done picks? Uh, I wanted to go Rom really badly. The only thing that stopped me was this is not an elevated event of any kind, so the payout won't be that high. Um, so I did not do that. Instead, I went Wyndham Clark, who I would not really take in any other field. He's the third best odds to win, though, uh, behind Finau and Rom. Uh, he finished 67th here last year, which is not very good, but he has not missed a cut since October of last year. He has seven top 15s sixth and a fifth in his last three events um and he can basically do everything extremely well except putt which again i don't think matters that much driving distance t to green uh he's second in both of those um he can really score so i'm confident in wyndham clark um i really think he could actually win which is terrible to say but i'm going with patrick rogers he uh finished in top 22 weeks with the rbc heritage and when this type of event there's like not really that really known player so i think he can like Maybe win or at least get top 10. I'm going with Bo Hostler. He had the good showing last week, even though he kind of fell apart on Sunday. Uh, hopefully he can put together a similar uh, first three days and maybe even win it. You never know. Yeah, we, uh, we shall see with him. He's not a great driver of the golf ball. He's really good around the green, so the stats don't necessarily match up there. But, you know, this is golf, and yeah. anything can happen. So with my one-and-done pick... I'm going to use Tony Fino this week. As Jack mentioned, this is a very small purse in terms of where the purses are now on the PGA Tour. So it's not going to be a very high payout, but Tony Fino doesn't really win that many events and contend in bigger events. So I'm going to use him this week, especially since it's a little bit lighter of a field. And all the stats really kind of shake up to be Tony Fino's type of course. He's fourth. 
total strokes gained, including 35 and shots gained, 35th and shots gained off the tee, first and shots gained approach. So the approach doesn't necessarily matter, but if you can find the fairway, then you're going to do well here. He's 35th and strokes gained off the tee. He's also second on all the sports books behind John Rahm in odds to win and recorded a tie for second place in the inaugural Mexico Open last year. So Tony Fino is my pick for the one and done. That leads us to our three guys to make the cut and one guy, our mortal lock of the week to finish in the top 10. Who do we have? Uh, I'm starting with Smotherman, who I already talked about, 6K range. Uh, amazing from 200 yards out. Uh, can score really well, better as of late. I think he makes a cut. James Hahn is another one who who is fantastic off the tee, um, struggles really bad putting. He's considering taking him in the snake draft because yeah. he stood out to me. Yep, um, really like him. And then I'm taking Bo Weekly, who goes totally against my fade the old people type of route. Um, but he's second in my model. Not sure how that's possible. But um, uh, we'll see. That'll backfire, I'm sure. Uh, top 10, I love Cam Champ. Played well here last year. He, I, I don't think he wins, to be totally honest. I, I think there's a better chance he gets seventh than he wins. Bomb um, and gouge guy, though. Bomber, first driving distance, third off the tee. He is the second to worst putter in the entire field, and there are some, some real yeah. not very this great is a, this is a, in the field. A sketchy week yeah. in terms of guys playing. Yeah, yeah, he's really good with his irons. Um, so I'm hoping he just bombs the ball and the greens uh, sort of even out a little bit. For me, I'm going to make the cut. Uh, Ryan Moore, Doc Remen, and Chris Stroud in the top ten. I'm going with Ben Taylor. Uh, I got Molinari. Hopefully, he can somehow do something. He's been terrible <laughs> he won the for a while. 2018 Open Championship, and then the Arnold Palmer the year after, I believe. And you haven't heard anything from him since. Not one thing. And then I'm gonna go with the young guy, Austin Eckroat. He's been kind of. He hasn't been all the way up to his potential as an amateur. He was like very highly touted and hasn't really panned out so far. Maybe in a weaker field, maybe he can play well, well make the cut. And then Matt Walsh won in Puerto Rico, I believe. Yes. Yeah. Um, I have him making cut. And then Maverick McNeely, uh, top 10. I yeah. have one thing to add real quick. Okay. Uh, Molinari has never missed a cut in Mexico, Ooh. and he's top 25 three out of his four times he's ever played there. Just, I like that. Wow. There you go. Maybe there's something in Mexico so for him. watch out for Molinari. Francesco Molinari this week. That leads me to my guys. This week I'm taking Taylor Pendrith. Uh, I love the approach numbers. He's six and approaches 175 to 200 yards out. He's also 36 in strokes gained off the tee, 39th in driving distance, which those numbers are going to be even bolstered this week because of a not very loaded field. So I'm taking Taylor Pendrith to make the cut. Andrew Putnam as well. I mean, the stats don't necessarily line up except for his seventh in bogey avoidance. Bogey avoidance uh, with ball striking into the wind. I really like those numbers, even though he's not a long guy and he has marginal approach numbers at best. So I'm taking Andrew Putnam to make the cut. Patton Kazire as well. I took him as a one and done. That backfired on me earlier this year at the Valero Texas Open. However, I love the numbers this week. 14th and birdie or better conversion percentage. 17th and going for the green percentage with three par fives, some drivable, drivable par fours, excuse me, into the wind. I like Patton Kazire. He's also 12th and par five scoring percentage. In my top 10, I'm going to piggyback off of Nick's one-and-done pick. Uh, I'm taking Patrick Rogers. 
I love the off the tee numbers, 41st in strokes gained off the tee, 33rd in driving distance. He's also 41st in approaches 175 to 200 yards. So I really like Patrick Rogers to record a top 10. He is obviously still looking for that first PGA Tour victory. Could come this week uh, in paradise in Puerto Vallarta. So that leads us to our favorite prop bets for the week. So let's go ahead and dive right into those. Uh, so I'm hammering this this similar range here. Uh, starting with Woodland to top 10 plus 250. Gary Woodland is first off the tee. He's 10th tee to green, second in the 200 yards or higher with his irons. And it, he's another one that I think I wouldn't be shocked um, if he won, but like in DraftKings, he's $9,600. Gary Woodland should never be $9,600. No, no. So that's a little bit scary, but that just shows the field once again. Uh, second, I'm going to take Joey Bramblett to top 20 plus 230. He's another guy that, uh, driving distance just absolutely mashes the ball, but cannot putt to save his life, which is, once again, I'm, I'm kind of feeling that this week. And then feed me Luke List, which is, again, terrifying to say. But he is fourth in my model, uh, fifth driving distance, fifth tee to green, second off the tee. Just so he bombs the ball and is so good. I'm taking him to top 20 plus 250 and to win uh, plus 7,000. And then my last one, I'm taking Augusto Nunez. Top South American plus 450. He chipped in last week and just tomahawked his club. Uh, almost took the head off a fan. <laughs> uh, I love him. He's actually fits really well in my model too and played last week. Um, played well last week. But yeah, I love him since that. He just chucked his club into the air after he holed out. Um, zero regard for anyone around him. And it was, I love him now. I'm going to go round one leader, Tony Fino at plus 1,800. Top English player, Matt Wallace at plus 290. And uh, piggybacking off a of jack for Gary Woodland at top 10 at plus 240. Uh, there's one I really like this week, and it's Amaliano Grillo over John Rahm and Alex Noren in the first round. I feel like if Rahm's going to win, I feel like he might come out a little slow no matter what. Obviously, this week he said... He kind of took a little bit of a break. He was enjoying the Masters win. He didn't touch a club for a couple days. Maybe that might bite him in the first round. And then Alex Noren missed the cut uh, at the Masters and hasn't played since. But Griot had a T7 at RBC, so maybe he can get the better of them for plus 300. I feel like that's very good odds for the first round. And then I have the winner not in the final pairing at plus 175 on the final day. On a course where it's going to be high scoring, someone can get out early and shoot like a 62 and yeah, then yeah. leaders in the clubhouse for like four holes and he somehow wins it. I feel for like sure. that would be something that could happen. Because that's really interesting that you bring that up. The early, go probably there's most likely going to be an early, late wave advantage on Thursday and Friday because getting out early on Thursday, they're going to be able to post low scores because the wind picks up in the afternoon yeah. is what the hearsay is. Uh, about the course so and then that's obviously going to prove pivotal for the final round so my favorite uh, prop bets for this week I'm going to kind of twist the Alex Noren narrative and take him as his <laughs> top Swedish player at plus 125 awful showing in Augusta however he is one of three players in the field this week that is currently ranked inside the top 50 of the official world golf rankings those odds are plus 125 on the sports books to be the top Swedish player alongside Vincent Norman, Hendrik Norlander, Richard Johnson, and Jonas Blixt. My second, I'm taking a top 10 finishing parlay at plus 380 odds of John Rahm and Gary Woodland. Obviously, we've covered everything that 
uh, pretty much needs to be covered about those guys. Gary Woodland, Bomb and Gouge, John Rahm, Magnificent, Tita Green, Putzwell, even though it doesn't matter. He's the overwhelming favorite to repeat. Pretty self-explanatory. In uh, the winning margin, I'm taking winning margin of one shot at plus 275 on the sports books. I really like that this week, given that it was minus 17 that won it. Uh, there was a four-way tie for the lead for, I believe, five of the nine holes on the back nine last year in the final round, uh, of which John Rahm made a birdie putt to set himself away or pull himself away from that group. Uh, and it was obviously a log jam at minus 16, a couple guys at minus 15, uh, and minus 14. So, uh, yeah, it was an extremely loaded uh leaderboard last year in terms of scoring it obviously will be again this year you know you get a lot of guys that'll be able to go out and go low so I like the winning margin of one shot so that wraps us up here on the long drive this week Uh, thank you all so much for listening catch us every week for the remainder of the season make sure to check out all of impact 89 fm's other podcasts this has been the long drive on impact 89 fm